0: Let me tell you a story. The dinosaurs ruled our planet for millions of years, and yet they died out almost overnight. Why? The evidence suggests that a meteor fell to Earth bearing an alien bacteria. Plague? Is that what this whole thing is about? Prevention. And you think this meteor brought some kind of a killer germ? It's something I've expected. And prepared for all my life.
1: Well, your meteor brought something, all right. But if it's a germ, it's the biggest son of a bitch you've ever seen.
0: Not too long ago, guys. Well, not God. Probably a couple years. We did the original, like was it, 1958? I think it's 58. Uh, the Blob with Steve McQueen. Uh, we all liked, appreciate it for what it was. what it was. And it's, you know, it's... Uh, what it's done for the horror industry. A lot of copycats have come out since. So we can even put The Thing on there. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing um, uh, for taking some of its uh, you know, effects and, and so forth. It was definitely groundbreaking for the time. It was silly and hokey. Don't get me wrong, but it was the 50s. Pretty much everything was silly and hokey. 50s B-movies. It's kind of like our 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that's okay, too. You know, uh, but the one thing I always remembered about it, and I sang the theme song <laughs> from the original, and it's by Burt Bacharach, who's obviously a household name now. And it was the Blob by the Five Blobs, <laughs> and it was like it's like one paragraph. It's like beware of the Blob. It creeps and leaps, glides and slides across the floor, right through the door. And all around the wall, I splotch, a blotch. Be careful of the blob. Elaborate stuff. There it is. But in this one, we get some 80s hair band called Alien. Mm-hmm. And they don't, it's completely different. All it is, is it's called Brave New Love. You know, on that hair band kind of cheese. Pure 80s cheese, yeah. Now, the reason I brought up this uh, theme song... Uh, the band Aliens sounded a lot like a band called Dokken. And Dokken was a decent band in the 80s. Um, wrote some cool stuff. But what they are known, what they're also known for is the theme song, Dream Warrior. From Nightmare on Elm Street, the Dream Warriors. Probably the directed most Directed by popular, the same guy? Directed by the same guy, Chuck Russell. You see how I did that? Yep. Pretty clever. Yep. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Did you catch who wrote this film? Frank Darabont? Yes, another household name. We talk about Frank a lot. He does a lot of horror, um, some really great dramas, including a little film you might have heard called Shawshank Redemption.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. A wonderful,
0: a wonderful film called The Majestic with Jim Carrey. Uh, the Green the Mile, The Mist, created The Walking Dead pretty impressive little resume. Him and him and Chuck were good friends. Chuck started as a producer, and they both met I believe on the set of an underrated little slasher film, and we will definitely be getting to it someday. Hell night. So, there you go. Are the connection, sir? Yeah, it comes full circle. Chuck Russell, I talk about underrated directors, and this guy's had quite a few hits, and yet has just kind of disappeared. Again, we talk about how Directors are becoming more guns for hire now. Yeah, so they don't like they don't seem to like the ones that have staying power or have a, or a household name, I guess you can say, or some street cred. Because at the end of the day, the director is the man in charge on a set. Uh, the producer is the man who sits in the office and makes sure the bills are paid and the money's not, you know. It's not uh the budget's coming into coming into yeah. is, is on time and, and and you know, not going over budget. And it's become the opposite lately. And so we're losing the household name director. Now it's all yeah. about the producer, Jason
1: Blum. Yeah, Our, I think um directors possibly I mean I can't speak for Chuck Russell and and the rest, but I think, um, in general terms, a lot of these directors are becoming jaded with the Hollywood machine.
0: Yeah, and so I think that's why we've lost, we're have we losing these guys. Oh, mm-hmm. I remember him. Well, he doesn't do much. It's just a lot of TV. A lot of these veteran directors went on to see, and they still do a lot of TV, which is great. Um, but they just do some B-movies here and there. I mean, Chuck Russell, uh, besides being the producer of Hell Night and a couple of the horror films in the 80s, he's also a screenwriter with Frank Darabont. Uh, yeah. d- he did one of my favorite Schwarzenegger films, Eraser, mm-hmm. which I thought was really fun. Uh, he did Scorpion King, which was a big hit. That's right. Uh, yeah, with The Rock, with The Rock, and uh, we as, and The Mask was a huge hit for Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, yeah, um, and Dream
1: Warriors. I mean, that's not a,
0: that's a pretty good little you know resume, yeah. yeah
1: um the dream warriors i mean i loved three Warriors as a kid and yeah i think it's definitely one of the strongest of the elm street sequels but we'll get to those at some point i would like to think
0: yeah we'll probably do what we do with the friday 13s do two and one uh because mm. there's a lot of them and it'd be pleasant and surprise uh most of them are crap but i am I, I think i'm the only one who liked a new nightmare the one where it was self it was yeah, if, yeah, that, if,
1: yeah, that was definitely... Um, it was like the prototype for Scream, almost. Yep. And Wes Craven's next film would be...
0: Scream. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I have my coffee here. We're doing this in the morning for y'all. So you're welcome. Yeah. And Count Dracula here, who I'm a podcast with, <laughs> usually goes to bed around this time.
1: <laughs> I, I usually crawl into my coffin around this time after... Um, Working through the night and also, um, you know, hunting people to, you know, suck their blood and stuff, you know. Uh, Yeah. Yep. That's why we're usually late, because he hasn't fed. Yeah, well, I I have to get up out of my coffin whenever there's no more light outside, you know. Or else I would sort of disintegrate. To feed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. We all have to feed. Yeah. (laughs) Now, um...
0: This movie would tank. tanked, um, but again, a lot of 80s films have, but they went on to become what they call cult hits. Yeah. Uh, cult hits, I will still say, started in the 80s. Um, yes, you had other ones in the 70s and 60s, but I really do think cult really found its footing um, in the 80s with movies like, we keep talking about like A Broken Record, Blade Runner, The Thing, uh, and The Blob would certainly be up there. Now, this was coming out at a time where this kind of stuff was fading out. Uh, body horror slash gory goo. And I, I believe it or not, I, I mean that gory goo. We had our little creature features, you know, like little gremlins and critters. Well, this we did have this body horror goo kind of stuff. Uh, starting with the film The Stuff. Uh, it's a nice little film yeah. about uh, consumerism. You should check it out. It's actually quite good. Uh, a movie called Street Trash. You had this kind of, and Society would be a good example. Yeah. You see a lot of Society in this. Uh, the Brian News of teams. So it blended near the, the end of the 80s. A lot of stuff that worked in the 80s. Uh, just sadly didn't find its footing. Uh, but like I said, it's it certainly has now, thanks to video and DVD. And now it's on 4K, which I have my copy coming. So uh, it's nice to see a nice little uh, recharge well, of this one.
1: Just you um, mentioned video there, when um, this was um, originally released in the late 80s. Um, it was then brought out on home video. Now not just a video that you can rent. Um, it was becoming a thing around this period where you could buy for quite reasonable prices. Um, videos basically to keep, like we do now, you know with DVDs and stuff. Um, it was becoming more of a thing. Whereas originally, you know, videos were really expensive to buy, you know, buy a film. Um, But they they were coming much cheaper and um, I owned this and I loved it as a kid. Um, Yes, I mean, looking back as an adult and now for the podcast, there are certain parts of it are a little silly, let's just say. Um, And you can notice a little flaws, but that's okay too. And we'll get get to it all. But um, I owned this in video and I love this film. Um, And also, um, I would like to say uh, my ex-wife is in this film. So she is um, Shawnee oh, okay. Smith. Shawnee Smith. <laughs> yeah. When I was a 12-year-old boy watching this, let's just say um, Shawnee had um, quite the effect on me. <laughs> All right.
0: So I was Leah Thompson. You had Shawnee Smith.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Shawnee Smith and others. Um, Susanna Hoffs from the, the Bengals, Belinda Carlisle.
0: But yeah, <laughs> Shawnee Smith has fucking aged well. Um, oh yeah her, yeah, her and Leah Thompson—they still look like the, you know what they look like in the '80s. And Shawnee Smith's obviously still big. with She's still in the Saw franchise and all. That's and, right.
1: And um, apparently, James Wan brought her on board the show. Sorry, the show, the the Saw franchise, because he was a fan of her in this film.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. she doesn't have. She does have that girl power moment. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about it. It's
1: not the most convincing in the world, but yeah, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll get to. That soon too,
0: yeah. In the eighties, I remember uh, when I worked at a video store and movies when they came out. People think they're like Blu Ray or four K now. You go and grab it for twenty quid or twenty dollars, yeah. whatever. No, they're like a hundred dollars to buy. Yeah, um, very. It was the one, the, the one of the first films to come out cheap right away. Yes, for twenty dollars was Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm. My brother bought it for me for Christmas. My dad didn't want me to have it because of the swearing. Right. Um, sorry, Dad. Oh. I mean, we had no effect on me. Just don't listen to this yeah. fucking podcast.
1: <laughs> this, this is basically a, a blue fucking podcast you know, with Canon's language. Yeah, um, obviously inspired by Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> and then it kind of snowballed. Um, I think Disney did a
0: couple, but then Pretty Woman came out for cheap. That was a big one. Um, and then it just snowballed from there. I think Titanic. Well, and what? all the and then prices dropped from $90 because as video rentals um, yes. were still taking off, but they found that there was money in people buying their products. Yeah. And, and then you had used, you know, Blockbuster always had three for 10. Uh-huh. Uh, after they rent them, they, they sell them. And so you had this big, in the mid-90s, this big surge of people wanting to buy their movies.
1: Well back in those days um, I was a paper boy and um, when I was delivering the papers on a Sunday there was the Sunday supplement magazines and at the back of them there was usually ads for which became a thing um, for video clubs where um, if you joined their video club you know um, you sent away um, you got um, as an introductory offer you got um, three titles for a tenner which was great. Um, and I joined multiple times, much to my parents dismay, whenever I couldn't wrangle out of the contract. Uh, the contracts, plural. Um, and uh, But yeah, I remember, I think you, like, part of the contract was you agreed to buy six titles over a year for like a tenner per title. Um, obviously I couldn't afford that as a kid, so I was sort of locked into this contract. But I would have got films like this: The Blob, The Evil Dead, um, which was finally um, on band, Although it was a cut version that was released in um, Hellraiser. Other, you know, films of that ilk. I remember getting the Untouchables as well. Um, you know, the um, Kevin Costner, the yeah. Palma, um, De Niro one, um, and and a few other titles. Um,
0: yeah, Young Guns. We, yep. Yeah, we had this. We had the same thing in the states called Columbia House. Yes. And you could do it with movies or cassettes you know, or CDs. Yes. Um, whatever it was, music. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's uh, jump back into uh, the blob here. Now the effects here uh, are hit or miss. I think yes. they're more they're more hit um, than miss. Tony Gardner, who's got 182 credits to his name, did some wonderful uh, makeup designs. He's known for like he's still around today. Did a great film called Freaky not too long ago. He's mm-hmm. done um, Lord of the Visions, which I loved, uh, Zombie Land, Nightbreed, Army of Darkness. So the guy and Darkman. So the guy's yeah. got some really good street cred. And Dream Quest Images, who was created by uh, Hoyt Yeatman, he his team was pretty much also got on board um, to handle more of the monster effects themselves and. They're the ones who created. They worked with Cameron. They're the ones who did that liquefied image from the abyss.
1: Yes, and Terminator Two.
0: And yeah, so you know, you, a lot of talent went into this film, mm-hmm. um, and including some up-and-comers. Uh, believe it or not, uh, uh, Kenny Clark is more of a veteran, and so it was uh, John Shonaka. But you had Jeffrey Duman, who we talked about quite a bit on this podcast, uh, with the great, great Christmas Evil. Um, mm-hmm. But he works with Frank Darabont all the time. We just mentioned all the films he's been in. And if it's a Frank Darabont production, Jeffrey dumont has been in it. Whether it's The Mist, Green Mile, um, and uh, uh, Yeah, The Walking Dead. In fact, mm-hmm. when Frank Darabont left the, the Walking Dead in a massive, massive dispute, sad, sad ending to the Walking Dead franchise, losing Frank Darabont, Jeffrey Dumont, the most beloved character in the show, quit. He yeah. says, H- "Have me get eaten because if I'm not working with Frank, I'm not working with you guys." So a lot of loyalty he, between those two. So it's nice to see yeah. that back in the. it he was.
1: He's, um. Jeffrey was also in the X Files film, the first X Files film, Fight the Future, and th- this this film is like a who's who of character actors that pop up everywhere. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. You've got a mail from RoboCop. You know the Melton <laughs> Man. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Paul McCain plays Deputy Briggs. You got Candy Clark who yep. was huge in the 70s and 80s. She's kind of faded a little bit, but she still works today. And yep. uh, I think she was in one of my favorites, Blue Thunder, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with Malcolm McDowell and Roy Scheider. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we got Kevin Dillon, Matt's brother. Sounds just yes. like his brother. Unreal. Uh, but God love him, Kevin Dillon isn't Matt Dillon. <laughs> 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 he's, he's really not the hero. Uh, I like his know, mullet. <laughs> yeah. Kevin like, and Kevin Smith had to wear these wigs. And they begged, they begged uh, Chuck Russell, please. And he's like, "Nope, put him
1: on." He's like, "Fuck." I mean, this is the most 80s film to ever come out of the 80s. In oh so God, wait, yeah. you know, it's, uh... it's
0: that it is. Um, I like the opening, and what they did with the opening—they kind of just give you shots of a small, small New England town or wherever it is. And yeah, it's spooky. It's, it's spooky. It's cuts, very Stephen yeah. King. It's deserted. It's quiet. Yeah, it's small-town it's, Americana. Yeah. Exactly. And The whole purpose for this was just – and then we find out the whole town's in this football match, mm-hmm. uh, which is what, what happened in a small-town USA. Every Sunday or Saturday when there's a big game, the local high school, everyone would get together uh, to cheer on the home team. And I the yes. reason I like this setup is because, A, we know they're they're going to be probably attacked here soon, so they're not going to have the means to protect themselves because they're in the middle of nowhere, and so and we also have a very small cast to work with, which I like in my films.
1: What I also like about the um, opening is basically the Donovan Leach, um character is set up as always, oh, you know, it's sort of tricking the audience into thinking, oh, he's obviously going to be the sort of square jawed hero. But in fact, well, we will find out that that's not the case, you know.
0: Yeah, um, I think Chuck Russell, a lot of filmmakers do this. They they like to a little nod to Psycho, so they'll yes. they'll put this main lead in that you think is, um, mm-hmm. or at least would be one of the regulars. Um, it's it's well set up because I you you think, um, that Brian the town. Fifties, you know, 50s bad guy, bad guy. Yeah. He's he's harmless, Rebel we are to but he's call he's it. yeah, he yeah, yeah, he he's a bad guy. Um, where you've got, um, he, he's Brian. He's played by Kevin Dillon, and then yeah. you have got Paul. Is that right? Yes, yes. I think it's Paul, probably, yeah. yeah, Paul and Meg, and yes. you so you think it's gonna be these three and Paul and Paul and Brian are always, <laughs> ironically enough, those are my brother's names, mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul right. and Brian. Are always at each other's throats. You know, you got the very opposite characters. Yeah, you you got the high school jock and you got the garage man.
1: Can I say Um, as well that um, Donovan Leach is um, the son of folk singer Donovan?
0: Yeah, I read that up. I read that up. I didn't
1: care, so I didn't
0: mention it. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he gives a shit.
1: (laughs) When David Um, Leach came here in 2007, here um, in. um, he came went to Queen's University to, to give a talk about transcendental meditation. Although everyone in the audience uh, just wanted to talk about Twin Peaks and his films, myself included. Uh, at the end of it, he brought Donovan out to sing a few of his hits because Donovan is apparently into transcendental meditation as well. So there you go. <laughs>
0: it's kind of a weird combination, Donovan and David David Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah. <laughs> there. Um, so, yeah, you get this, you, you really just, really quickly get the sheriff's kind of hitting on Fran, Candy Clark's character in the, uh, in the diner. Very nice. A quick introductions, everyone. You got Paul and Meg. It's Meg well done. likes Paul. He's, their, he's the high school jock. You meet Brian, and the sheriff tells him, you're almost 18, no more juvenile for you. You know? Yeah, juvie eating. hall. No more Juvenile yeah. hall for you. Yeah. You better be good. Um... Yeah. And those are the key characters. What this but, film and, uh, doesn't what this film does, and it does it well, it has quite a few misdirects. Um and what I mean by that, not everyone is who, safe here. And some of the deaths are off camera. Yes. And When you see one my favorite one, it's the phone booth, and we'll get to it in a second yes. here. Mm-hmm. It you didn't see this coming, and it's not necessarily the person who's in the phone booth. Um, yeah. but you set up all these kind of heroes. The Jeffrey well, DuMont character is definitely set up to, to, to help uh, Paul and Brian, as well as, as Meg, um, with what, what is about to happen.
1: They're all sort of stock, um, you know, sort of cliched, sort of small-town America characters. But in this type of story, that sort of works, because they are sort of playing around with it a bit, you know. And, you know, the Kevin Dillon character, Bran, you know, he, he's, you know, I was sort of laughing, because they set him up, when you first see him, he's such a badass, he's smoking, drinking, plus he letters, he just like throws the beer can, and, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, it, it's like they're telling us, yeah, he's a badass, he don't play by the rules, on like the clean cut, squeaky clean, you know, Meg and Paul. <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it's the 50s. It's the rebel without a cause. Yeah. Um, West it's Side Story. It's intentional. Um, that's what the film does do well. It, Even though it's modern setting, the characters do play off like the characters from the 50s version, Yeah, um, including the some of the effects. And I think it's deliberate. I don't think they're bad effects. I think it's actually deliberate to play homage to the original.
1: What about um, Paul's rapey, creepy friend?
0: I'll tell you what. I forgot about the scene. The condom scene is fucking hilarious.
1: Yeah. No, that's Scott. that, that is. Yeah, yeah. When, when, yeah Scott. when Scott
0: goes up to the pharmacist, uh, yeah, give me uh, condoms and some uh, mints, whatever it was.
1: And he yeah. runs into the
0: priest, the reverend. <laughs>
1: that's right. The and, reverend's brilliant, by the way.
0: Yes, yeah. yes. He comes back full circle, <laughs> big time. Yeah, at the end. Yeah. But when Scott's, he's just this arrogant little prick. And mm-hmm. the pharmacist goes, when he's talking to the Reverend, he's all, he's kind of embarrassed because he's talking to the Reverend. And the pharmacist goes, You want ribbed? or regular. Yeah. And uh, he, he blames this He, mate, he blames, he says, Well, I'm getting this from my friend Paul. He's such a perv. And he's so embarrassed to get this stuff. But, you know, he's a ladies' man. And then we find out Meg, the pharmacist's father. <laughs> yes. Meg, and he puts the paper down and goes, Ribbed. <laughs> yeah. You see, and, and, and it was a nice little setup. It was a pretty good laugh yeah um if i was the pharmacist i wouldn't let paul but i guess he, he does mention that he does explain the the uh the little misunderstanding to the father he says that in the car
1: yeah off screen yeah
0: yeah so uh, otherwise he would not have let his daughter go with him
1: <laughs> yeah yeah um, um, <laughs> i must admit that um meg's family in general um, great on me, especially the fucking wee brother and his mate. His mate, especially. Yeah, his mate was, was played by a young
0: actor in the eighties. He did a lot of this stuff. He was mm-hmm. played, the brat. Yeah. Um. He's pretty so annoying. yes, and but again, I like the fact that they don't sell out. They kill the little fucker. <laughs>
1: Dude. I, I wish they showed. It. I was tearing the blob on. I wish they showed it. Uh, well, well, you sort of see the aftermath whenever he jumps out of like the, the sewer, and he's like basically, he's basically a male and Robocop. You know the face all melted. But yes, I would have like to have seen it more graphically because I'm a sick bastard, you know, well, I hate <laughs> little fucker. <laughs> now the
0: the blob meteor, same thing as the movie. They do a little twist in it that is it's actually military made. Yes. Um, but the the homeless man gets it in the hand like they did in the original. I do like when they rush him to the hospital and then moments later, I think it was What's wrong with him? With you? <laughs> and he's just a pile of lasagna. Yeah, half yeah. his body. Such did a cool notice, little
1: goo. Did you notice who was playing the doctor? Yes. I know he's a character actor, but I didn't catch right away. But I kn- Jack Nance. Um, Jack Nance. He was a big collaborator with Dave Lynch. He played um, the title role in a razor head. Um, or, or you know the, the main character in a Razorhead. He's also he was Pete Martel, um, who finds Laura Palmer originally in Twin Peaks and stuff. Um, but yeah, he was a big collaborator with David Lynch, and sadly and tragically, in real life, he was murdered. He was Did
0: Jack Nance.
1: Brown. Yes,
0: wasn't he yeah. in Salem's? No, he wasn't in Salem's Lot. No, but he's a character he's actor. He's in every he was in everything in the
1: eighties and seventies. Yeah, he, he was a good friend and, and collaborator with David Lynch. Um, uh, like I say, a razor head, to peaks, and stuff. But yes, he was murdered in real life. When was that happen? Um, I think it was in the the nineties. Um, I think there was some dispute in a cafe or something. that was um, with a couple of homeless people. It was a fight. Uh, I don't think the um, it was like a fist fight that he was attacked. And I don't know. Obviously, I don't know all the facts, but it appears that possibly um, they didn't mean to kill him, but he died of the injuries in the, in this diner fight.
0: Yeah, not know that. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why you don't see many more movies. <laughs> well, exactly. Dad, dad, um, dad so
1: te- yeah, yeah. Technically, he was I think it it was murder because he died of the um you know the injuries that he sustained, but yeah. Weird one,
0: yeah. yeah probably what it, what do they call it, uh, involuntary manslaughter or something like that.
1: The, the the perpetrators have never been caught. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Do
0: mm-hmm. hmm. you hear that story about, oh, my God, I'm going to butcher the name. I just don't think I should even bring it up if I'm not going to get the
1: name right. Yeah, I butcher names all the time, so don't no, worry about it. No,
0: um, there's a story. Um, he was a Vietnam... Uh he he was a POW in Vietnam Um uh, but not an American POW he was a Vietnamese POW right. uh-huh. um it's a and it was it's it was about um it was in Cambodia. Right uh-huh. and it was the story of uh the guy's name is please I don't don't what's it, Hang, uh, Nyor. Right. Uh huh. But anyways, it's called The Killing Fields. It has Sam Watterson, John Malkovich. Um, Mm -hmm. Cambodian. Yeah. yeah. And it tells this story. Um, Mm -hmm. he got the Oscar for Mm -hmm. playing this, uh, this role. Uh, Um, and it's about, he played a Cambodian journalist. Yes, and he survived all these ordeals, and he went on. He won the Oscar in '84, um, and then he was randomly stabbed to death in L.A. I, out, I think I've heard that outside of um, outside, that outside of his fucking apartment, and they never caught him.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's that. That sounds familiar. And the yeah. guy that goes through hell and back,
0: his yep. his true life story, and he comes to the states and look what fucking happens to him. Awful. Um it's it just, you know, tragic. But uh, yeah. we're going on way off topic here. Yeah. But hey, that's what we do. What were we talking about again?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mission Impossible 3, isn't it? Uh, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I, this is where we kind of get the, where we're thrown off when Paul gets it. Now, Paul's death's pretty disturbing when the blob just engulfs him like a blanket. And the, the, the Meg, creature
1: effects and and the, the sort of you know the mutated body effects and stuff are brilliant. Yeah,
0: you can see it clears day. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost like a, a sheet a clear sheet of acid has yes. been thrown on top of him, and you can see his skin just melting and slowly pushing in his eyeballs, and his skin his skin <laughs> deterioring from from flesh color to white as he becomes more skeletal. And it's just, I can I mean. Brilliant gore effects. You, you can't touch these effects. I mean, yeah. practical is the way. oh, so good. Yeah, so good. Um, yeah. I mean, these guys know. These 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 guys are a listers in their in their in their craft for sure.
1: And and very soon after, with um, Scott and um, his girl, well, his sort of girlfriend. You know, where he he's being creepy, and he has the bar and his and the boot of his car for some reason and stuff. You know. Um. Yeah. I mean, there's just some. Brilliant, absolutely top-notch, practical um, gore effects here. Um,
0: I like. I-, I never understood how, you know, it doesn't last long. They arrest Brian for this. Yes. And even the sheriff's, at least the sheriff's smart, and he had Briggs, um, mm-hmm. or Bragg. He's a Briggs, I think he's Briggs uh, from Mobile Cop. Um, yes.
1: He- I I just called it the- to me. It was just a mail from RoboCop. Yeah. <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> well, his his effects probably would have worked from Mobile Cop into this one.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's actually a bit tragic that after having such great uh, <laughs> effects in RoboCop, he doesn't get the chance to do it again in this. But <laughs> he probably
0: didn't want to. He's like, "Fuck, yeah. not again." So he gets a pretty actually gets a pretty good death. Uh, but yeah, they're kind of interrogating him. But at the end of the day, I was like, I was laughing. I was like, "Come on, why the fuck would they think he did this? This is impossible for someone to do." But, uh, but, but it's
1: actually a a well um, played scene. Well, that's what, know, what I'm saying.
0: The, they, yeah, they. This guy didn't do this. Let him go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they're just crossing the T's and dotting their eyes with them, where the yes. audience would probably be rolling their eyes, going, Oh God, why the fuck would you? And then they clearly, <laughs> clear that they're not. They're yes. just getting inside of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so Scott gets his come up in with the drunk girl. And I thought this scene could have been a little better. Um, you didn't really get much gore in this one. I think what happened was because only if you, what they had to do was a lot of the screens are off kill. Or you'll see yes. the blob just jump on them or something and then cut away because they only had the budget for certain effects. So they put all their money into the effects they were going to show you of those deaths, and it yeah. certainly does pay off. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather have that fucking good, solid deaths and then some couple cutaways yeah. so we have the funds for those other good ones.
1: I would think like where people
0: are like dragged away off screen or whatever, yeah. Yeah, which you do get quite a few of, but there's some good carnage in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the uh, when the, this when the cook gets it, they get sucked through the drain. That, that's a brilliant one.
1: Um, and <laughs> you see him, yeah, it's, it's pretty. You can almost like hear the bones crunching and stuff as he's getting dragged down that sort of plug hole. <laughs> and then the this is booth.
0: where they they we will we find out. They kind of so I kind I kind of get confused. In. Meg. And I don't think Brian knew, but Meg, uh, they're in the the, with the freezer hiding from the blob. Yes. And then we see the blob go, eee, screams or screeches because it yes. doesn't like the, the cold. It backs away. It yeah. backs away. Never sprung up again. But Meg goes gets caught by the military. Wouldn't she have said, oh, by the ways... It's the cold. It can't handle the cold. This is <laughs> what she does eventually. No, you know. at the end, she grabs a virus sticker at very last second for last chance. What the hell? Let's just go for it and spray this at it. Mm-hmm. When she could have just said, Oh, by the ways.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the plot wouldn't have happened, you know, or sort of would have been a lot shorter anyway. No, but-
0: yeah, they could have said something. It goes, Okay, we'll take that on board and yeah. ignore her. Like mm-hmm. uh, yeah, sure, you know what you're talking about. We well, know to what be we're for, doing. Well, the government people didn't want it destroyed anyway, you know. Yeah, but again, you still she still plants the seed that yeah. should have been in there because, come on. Yeah. Um. um her and, her and her mother, boy are going to save the day now.
1: I would say the characters who are kind of quite annoying in in um, an 80s sort of way. You know, that's um, just it's. I mean, I know they're they're sort of stock characters, and it's all intentional and stuff. But um, I, I particularly uh, for some reason, um, Meg's family really annoyed me. The dad's not too bad, but the, what age is her mother? By the way, in this, like fucking ninety or something. You know what I mean?
0: It's. She just no, looked, I I thought the parent. <laughs> I thought actually I don't think they're they were annoying. I think it's the opposite. I think they're actually they're not in it enough to annoy me. It's um, a bit
1: too smug and cutesy and sort of, but I know it's an, inte- an intention. I think it's, it's a juxtapose with the brand character who doesn't have a family and he's a badass and he's off the reels and stuff. You know, I get it. Don't worry. Uh, but there's just like little touches where, like, our mum says, like, about her her jumper or um, blouse or whatever that's went through the wash and it's become pink or something. And it goes, "Would you like to borrow my sweater?" He goes, "Oh, would you, mum?" <laughs> like, well, what? I think that's where the fifties <laughs> comes in. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think know, that's intense, what they're
0: trying to do. And the re- now what they should have done—it's R-rated, so they should have given us something that Brian has done to yeah. make him not really well liked. Because all he does is play around with himself. He just j- tries. He to- letters.
1: And smokes, yeah, and drinks, and that's it. That's, that's all totally I So I'm,
0: so I'm, so I'm the asshole here, then, because that's I don't smoke, but you know, <laughs> well, you know, I'm a loner. I drink. Well, yeah, I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> um, um, I did, well, I, yeah, did, uh, I, uh, but I, I, don't know. I think they could have given us something. The movie's ninety minutes. Give us two minutes of.
1: I well, I have a confession to make. When I watched this as a kid, I thought, <laughs> oh fuck! I used to think that um, as a kid watching this, the brand. Was a very fucking cool character and he was, and he sort of inspired me. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> you know? that explains a lot, Trevor. <laughs> Thankfully, it didn't go as far as Grown a Mullet, um, you know, that would have been just you know, too far, a step too far, you know. But, um, yeah, I thought he was a cool, badass character, and I, um, as an 11, 12 year old, whatever, 12 year old, 13, um, yeah, I was sort of in, in a way inspired by him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the mullets.
0: Man. <laughs> Business in the front, party in the back.
1: <laughs> and I wanted, I wanted a motorbike, but my ma wouldn't let me get a motorbike because she, um, she, um, she said there were dangerous, they were too dangerous. Um, and I wanted a motorbike, so I wanted to be, um, I don't know, rebel without a mullet, <laughs> you
0: know. So, so the book scene when Fran gets it and she's engulfed, and that would suck because he's no way for you to go. And she's yeah. golfing the blob, and then all of a sudden you see this great fake—well, uh, this uh, this Jeffrey DeMond, the sheriff's face—sheriff yeah. come to the come to the uh, the, the front and center of the glass, and it's just melted and gooey, and it looks just like him. And it's it's a great jump scare, and yeah. it shows you the fact nothing is saved because we just killed probably your main lead.
1: You killed the main lead. You killed the sheriff. Um, you killed you know the romantic lead for the sheriff. I mean, yeah. Uh, Later on, they kill a a kid in quite a gruesome way, although I would like to have seen more. This is a pretty sort of ballsy film.
0: Yeah, and then another misdirect right after that one. So the misdirects are nice. Uh, There's a nice fake-out where um, uh, Brian and Meg are riding through the woods, and then you see these lights coming up, and it's like, oh, my God, is this another alien thing or a meteor coming? Turns out it's just the military, the medical Mm -hmm. team showing up. Um, There's a fun fake out and it is really clever
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's when they get when they get caught by the military and you cut to these two idiots make it out in the uh <laughs> on, <laughs> on, the, on the beach yeah. and so yeah. they they actually they actually just got dumbed down it's really cheesy what's the man doing there trimming his heads in the middle of the night with a, with a <laughs> chainsaw and then the guy looks yeah. up he's i got think a hockey he's has been
1: tom well, let's give him something
0: to peep at. <laughs> yeah, and then he goes, "Why is he wearing a hockey mask? It's not hockey season." And then, as he says that, the grain of the of the film we're watching turns, yeah. and then yeah. you, and it pans back, and you find out we're in the movie theater watching yes. the slasher film that two kids wanted to see.
1: It's it's called something like Toolbox Massacre or something, but it's obviously a spoof of the Friday the Thirteenth series. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's,
1: it's a very clever scene. It yeah, is the way
0: the way to do it. Yep. To totally to threw me off
1: um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'd seen this before actually but I hadn't seen it in many years but um, I forgot actually about this but it's, it is, it's very clever yeah, the, th- the
0: theatre scene is pretty fun There's a couple of people get it the projections get stuck to the ceiling
1: and that annoying guy talking uh, in the, in, in the uh, behind the kids I don't remember him no, no, remember the annoying guy he's with his girlfriend and he's saying oh, in this minute she, she's going to run and you know all this here oh Next yeah. Thing, yeah yeah Oh, he gets sucked yeah. up. Yes, up, up, up under the air. Another yeah. sort of off-screen sort of death. Now, when you see
0: the 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 blob, it it does it. The effects are uh, more stop-motionish, kind kind of like, kinda yeah, like with, th- superimposed. Yeah, kind of like what they did with the thing when it's revealed um, yeah. in the very end when it's coming through the floorboards. Um, the
1: superimposed special effects don't certainly don't work as well as the practical gore effects but I think
0: that's what I was talking about in the beginning I think he gets away with it because of the fact that it's a B movie, a B movie yeah. and they are playing homage to the original and yeah. I think they kept some of those effects in here so A it could have been just an excuse for them budget wise and B mm. uh, yeah well that's it right there I think that gives them a reason to let's play an homage and yeah. that way, we can focus on the real good effects we can give out, and then pepper in a little cheesy, cheesy superimposed stop motion, mah, whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's scenes where it's it's clear um, Kevin Dillon's running in front of a screen, and you know. Type oh of his- yeah, don't forget the motorcycle scene when he goes up in this. They're in the tunnel,
0: and he yes. He, 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 well, you know, <laughs> how do we get past it? Hold on. I mean, <laughs>
1: Jesus, Kevin Kevin Dillon is the most. This guy's not a hero whatsoever. There's a couple of scenes where he turns into Rambo, like whenever he's being chased by the government guys, and uh, it's all set up at the start with the bridge where he's trying to jump the motorbike over the bridge, the broken bridge. Um, He eventually does it. Then he gives him like the finger, and he flips the bird. And it's (laughs) after he jumps, and then, you know, um, (laughs) and then later on where he does the loop to loop, evil can evil, yeah, in the sewer, yeah, he's basically uh, yeah, and then he you know, he turns, he turns into Rambo. Yeah. So he tells, and guys,
0: don't get me wrong. I actually, I think Kevin Dillon's, uh, you know, he's, he's a likable guy. He does some fun yeah. films. He was very sleazy and creepy in Casualties of War. He's, yeah, um Platoon as well. Oh, he, it was the Platoon of Casualties of War. He's in Platoon. He's in Platoon. He's, That's why I was confused.
1: I always remember his character at the end of Platoon Um, where after the big battle, he um sticks a knife in his own yeah, knee. In his leg so
0: he can get out of there.
1: Yeah, so we can get medically discharged. Yeah, yeah,
0: it was Platoon where he was discovered, that's right. And yeah. and he, he's very good. I think he got a Grammy not a Grammy. Uh Tone I c I can't remember what it's called. Golden Globe or something. Yeah, Golden Globe for I think he was the agent in Entourage. Yeah, which yeah, he was in no, Entourage. Which, he, which yeah. he's very which he's very good in. So I've always liked him. I've always liked him. He does fun stuff, but he's not leading man material. And I mean,
1: he sort of, he sort of, he sort of pulls
0: it off here. Uh, he, L- no, no, the, the, effects, cheesy, the effects, the uh, and the supporting cast is. of Jeffrey, Newman, of the veteran actors, kind of make this. And uh, yeah,
1: Shawnee Smith
0: and, and Kevin Dillon. Anyone could have played these roles.
1: Yeah, exactly. And Shawnee Smith, as much as I love her, and as much as I did love her as a twelve-year-old, um, watching this or, or acting as something, <laughs> let's just say I wasn't blown away by her acting. <laughs> so we find out that the civilians are expendable from Doctor Benio's. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, this I, I see this stuff with the government stuff. This this all predates basically the X Files a few a few years later. So it's yeah, I, I love this type well, of thing. Well, you can work.
0: say that too, but you can also say the movie outbreak. Yeah,
1: with yeah. with Dustin yeah. Hoffman.
0: Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. contagion. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, it's uh, it's I an mean, old trope really, from the seventies and stuff. Yeah, you know? this is this has been happening. This yeah. this theory is. Uh, yeah. The crazies, you know. Did yeah, this. exactly. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. It, it, so it's it, it's cliche.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, we'll but it's, well, it. it's well it's well handled handled here. Yeah, yeah. we'll go with
0: it. Uh, yeah, the kid gets it. Um, I w- I'd like fear. to see. I like to have seen the kid melt. That would have been cool. We <laughs> <Little fuck laughs> what, do get a
1: glimpse of it, but um, what, I didn't see it. Become? I saw you got sucked in the water. That was it. No, no. Well, um, certainly the version I watched. Um, you do see him sort of like sort of all melted and sort of, but then quickly dragged into the water. But you don't see enough of it, <laughs> sadly. I, I, he's he's actually quite like um in the glimpse we we'll see it. He's quite like a million in RoboCop. You know, whenever he gets you know melted. Um, but um, yeah, they should have should have got more. Um, or or maybe I'm just a sick fucker. You know. <laughs> I love
0: how they're in the sewers and Meg is trying to. Gets gets her brother out. And she has to go a different direction because she can't get through where he was going. And yep. all
1: of a sudden, Brian shows up in the sewer. Here you go. Take my hand. Where the <laughs> fuck <laughs> did he come from? Robbo? Yeah. I... I- What's the deal with um, American sewers? Like, get us in it and stuff. Well, they're so obviously it's to do with the way they were originally designed, but they're so fucking big, and you can like basically, you know, have whole scenes in them. Yeah, the sewers over here are fucking like tiny and, and well, uh, literally shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh,
0: yeah, I think city sewers are bigger. Yeah, and they do have to make it big enough for a person to go into. But yeah, you're, you're right. right. Uh, like they're not like the... a council worker like, or whatever the. Yeah, to. but they go down and then they're going down this little little hole and they're like tuck away and they're barely getting down there. And then they go down
1: there. They're in a fucking warehouse. <laughs> it's like a city. Yeah, it's like it's old city on its own. Oh my god. So it is over here. It's just like a, like a greening with they're just tiny. I don't know. I think it's the like, Romans where's... originally built might have built ours, but um, <laughs> you know. I know every time we go in the sewers, and this I was like, where's Batman? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Dillon can fucking do motorbike stunts in this sewer. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I don't think small town USA would have the sewer systems as you would in New York.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I don't understand why yeah.
0: they're so. Yeah, they're pretty elaborate. But um, I. This is the worst part. So. The. The uh, doctor is going to yes. keep them trapped in the sewer, so he puts yeah, the car I, top of it, this. and so fucking. Dylan or Brian, Mm -hmm. whatever, he goes, oh, look, a bazooka. Okay. Yeah. And he takes the bazooka and Rambo could not even do this. And with one hand. Yep. He points the bazooka to to the top of the sewer. Yep. And fires it. And the car explodes and flies up. Now I'll buy the bazooka doing that. Mm -hmm. But how the fuck can one person's one hand hold a bazooka, which is pretty much a mini missile.
1: Because he's, what a guy, that, that's why. Because he's just, he's just, um, like, super. Uh, uh, and just by coincidence, um, Sean e. Smith just happened to notice the the, um, the government guy who they were down in the sewer with just happened to have a, a bazooka and <laughs> <in his laughs> uh, strapped to his back. So, yeah, I mean, this is just, I mean, this is all, obviously, tongue-in-cheek sort of B-movie silliness. You, uh, you, I mean, James Go- um, Gunn made a similar film um, a few years later, Slither. Um, yeah, you know? yeah, Slither. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, as daft as this is, where he turns into basically Rambo fused with the A team, uh, yeah, it makes for a good scene an explosion. <laughs> I like
0: uh, Doc Meadows' death <laughs> when the thing just crawls into his suit.
1: That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I like to
0: see like a lot of blood or imploding or something.
1: But yeah, it's, it, it still been works. It still yeah. works. He deserved yeah. what he got. Oh, I he he was a was <laughs> yeah. I love when he says about you know talking about the townsfolk and stuff, they're expendable. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> a pure pandemonium <Batman> villain. <laughs> when he got the fucker, has got like, because as all mad
0: scientists do, the scientist's yep. assistant has grenades all over his body, and <laughs> yes. so when he gets it, and the the now the the the, the inconsistency of how big this blob gets is really weird, <laughs> but yeah, now, exactly. it's, now it's fucking huge. And it blows up the whole street, and it comes out of the sewer, and yeah. the uh, badass so-called badass scientist frags yeah. with a death charge, mm-hmm. and doesn't do anything, <laughs> and he uh, he then takes his two grenades as the this the blob is about to land on him, yeah. He unleashes the pins, and
1: he's you know, and then he falls, <laughs> and then
0: it falls down on him. But you see the the two grenades
1: go off. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a real sort of, you know, hero's death type thing. <laughs> yeah, a cheesy death for for an idiot. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's it's it's a sort of film that you get these types of deaths in it. You know? <laughs> and then the
0: Reverend, who was a completely normal human being, gets caught on fire for a real quick second, and mm-hmm. they end up saving him. And I don't understand why he goes nuts at the end, but we'll, we'll figure that it, Because
1: it makes for... Uh, they were possibly setting up a sequel? Maybe. Uh uh, but also, it makes for a cool sort of final score type thing, you know. So, um, so then you got Briggs who gets it in the, uh, he gets cut in half with the bookcase. I thought his was looked pretty
0: good. Yeah. N- no gordita, but it looked painful enough. Yeah. But I-, I love this is where she goes. It's afraid of the cold. Yeah. <laughs> At last. <laughs> yeah. Finally, thank you. And it's a ski <laughs> It's a ski town. That could have yes. been very useful information there. <laughs> Thanks, Meg, You fucking idiot. You really could have. <laughs> So,
1: here comes Brian with the snowmaker. Wow. Which We're, is set up at the very start with his mate who works in the garage. Who, yeah. Who just happens to be working on a snowmaker in July.
0: <laughs> well, no, they're getting ready. Right. For, for the ski season. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in July. How convenient. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, and then <laughs> I love the thing where she's all badass, Meg. She's yeah, she like, turns into Rambo. Yeah, she yeah. could come and get a fucker. You son of yeah. a bitch. And then she <laughs> she throws one of the death charges onto the I think it was liquid nitrogen, whatever whatever the snow whatever. Yeah. Whatever the snowmaker's made of. And as she jumps, it's just the way she falls, it's hilarious. She gets she caught jumps. She gets caught yeah. and she plummets. she flops. To, it looks like <laughs> the stunt woman must have hurt herself. That looked painful.
1: Yeah, and, it was, but it was almost like as well. It's kind of funny because you know, fucking calm down. You're not really fucking Rambo. You know what I mean? You know. Geez. And then yeah, the end. She, she yeah,
0: she just kind of belly flops on the side, and then Brian, <laughs> you know, to save the day, and and then it just explodes and crystallizes it. Yeah, uh, but that's a good question. One guy just say, and I think he said that in the original. We need to scoop this thing up before it melts. If
1: it melts, does it come back? Yeah, defrosts. Um, basically, because it crystallizes. You know- can it yeah, come, yeah. Can I come but, back? I would assume. No, it does, because sure, look at the final scene with, with the Reverend in the tent, Um, where it's obviously oh. sort of like come back as a blob, um, where he's got it in the jam jar thing. Okay, let me uh, ask you this. Yeah.
0: Now, the Reverend's lost the plot. Yeah. Right?
1: And Armageddon. And they cut to,
0: he's like a traveling religious man now, preaching yes. Armageddon. Yes. Mm-hmm. And... He's got one eye now. He's half burned. And he's, yeah, because he took the two pieces and put it in the jar. Yes. Let me ask you this. And it's alive. It's all gooey and stuff. Yeah. So let me ask you this. It can go through concrete. It can go through metal. It can go through doors. <laughs> it can go through anything it wants and tear it to shreds. But it can't
1: go through a glass. It can't go through his jam jar. <laughs> yeah. It can't go through the jam uh, jar. Uh, aside from it being just like to make it for a cool sort of ending i think that's more um you could you could arguably explain it away as because it's just wee tiny blobs it needs to be a bigger blob to go through things but no yeah it's bullshit it's pretty much acid this thing yeah okay, <laughs> it's, acid? it's bullshit yeah acid it, go it's glass? meant to be the, it's basically the acid blood of the alien yeah. you know, from the alien um, franchise but, um, yeah, I mean... It, 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 but it makes for it a cool anthem, to, to be fair. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> All right, so that's it
0: for The Blob. Um, you know... Uh, fin- yeah. Final thought there, Trevor. Go for it.
1: Um, silly, enjoyable, B-movie um, nonsense. But, as I say, um, greatly entertaining. I-, I have a lot of um, nostalgia and time for this film... I think it's great fun. Um, you, you could sit and pick uh, holes in it all day, but I'm not going to because it's just a thoroughly enjoyable film.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what it boils down to. Uh, it's not as good as I remember. I remember seeing it in the cinema, and i really enjoying it when I was younger. Uh, watching it now, I was like, eh, it's still good. It's still fun, but it's yeah. not nothing like it was back in the 80s. It doesn't yes. hold up as well. Um,
1: <laughs> I think actually... I think of those.
0: Yeah, you know, but- I know, and it's not crap. I mean, I still, I still enjoy it. Guys, give it a watch if you love horror films. It's yeah. definitely one of the better ones in the eighties. If you, yeah. especially if you're a fan of those films, like I said in the beginning, uh, right. it's just as through the podcast eyes. I gotta say it. It's just it's lost some of its uh, its steam. Uh, but the kills that we do get that they put the budget on are are still hold up uh, from the sheriff's death and the phone booth. Um, to the, the melting man on the fucking uh, gurney to you pick it I mean the, the gore is quite good and it gets away with the cheesy effects because we're gonna go with it's paying homage what the yeah. fuck we'll just go with that um, but uh, yeah and these guys went on to do great things so uh, kudos to Frank Darabont and the team and uh, Chuck Russell and the team and you know so uh, I, I think clearly recasted Kevin Dillon I know you don't need to because it's a B-movie horror, like you said, and I get that. Maybe they just wanted a cheese motto so they didn't need an A-lister at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can kind of get that. And usually horror films are stepping stones for up-and-coming actors. So they gave him a shot at it and the mullet had to go. I mean, what the fuck do they think <laughs> of the mullet? Fuck. I, I, that mullet, I mean,
1: I, the mullet there's a scene... The mullet than the blob itself.
0: There's a scene where <laughs> Shawnee Smith... Is going down the sewer, and the blob starts coming through the holes and is grabbing her hair, so it's giving her pretty much a haircut. (laughs) I wish. I wish the blob (laughs) grabbed the back of his head and just got rid of that that one part. Fuck.
1: They could have had a sequel where, um, you know, Kevin Dillon's mullet, you know, um, has a life of its own and then goes on to sort of grow and grow and terrorize a whole town. You know,
0: there's there's a there's a there's a film called Body Bags. Yes. It's an anthology horror, John Carpenter. Yes, I know it. Yeah. And there's one with James Keach. No, Stacey Keach. Or is mm-hmm. it James? Stacey Keach. And he, he wants hair. He wants his wonderful hair because he's balding. So he gets his magic goo, but the hair comes alive. <laughs> uh, that's what I felt like when I was watching this. <laughs> I was waiting for his hair to come alive uh, attack the blob and save the day.
1: Yeah. Well, I would oh. most definitely watch this film again um, um, than m- most of the crap we get these days. Now, it's not me yet again attacking modern sort of um, mainstream sort of um, cinema, but um, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's nostalgia factors here, but I just really enjoy this film.
0: Yeah, no, it's not a bad little film. and Guys, keep in mind, when I say it doesn't really hold up as well, it doesn't mean it's not rewatchable. Um, I mean, I watch Universal Soldier all the time, and, 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 and it's kind of the same thing. Oh, this is badass. These two guys are the best. Yeah, go get them. And then you watch it now, you're like, oh, Jesus. But you still enjoy it, so that's pretty much where I'm at with the blob. Um, So there you go. Alright, guys, we're going to wrap this one up. Next up is going to be the Meg 1 and 2. We're doing a double feature on that one because we kind of already did the Meg, so we're just going to kind of do a quick review on that one but then quickly jump into Meg 2. It's going to be a, uh, an all-in-one uh, podcast for that one. And then we're going to do Barbie, and then we hit Halloween month and a half or something. Yeah. Uh, the new issue of Goria is out now. It's available on Amazon all over the world in print. And of course, locally, Forbidden Planet. Yep. And in Pennsylvania.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Phantasm Comics and yep, there's yeah we're selling in quite a few um, select stores. Yeah.
0: Oh, so you're all over now. You're not just the one branch.
1: No, no, no. I mean, to be fair, it's more sort of you know, one-off sort of independent stores. You know, Um, still still works. But also Forbidden Planet International, Belfast, and throughout the world from Amazon. All uh, right, there you go. That's it. That's all
0: I have to say. We're going to end this one. This one went on for a little long time, probably because we went way outside the box quite a few times. Like Again? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's all we got. You guys, take care of yourselves. Have a good one.